Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. I want to thank you for joining us as we continue our series on ecclesiology, which stands for the study of the church. And we want to know what the word of God is saying about the church, the ecclesia. What does the Bible say about the construct of the church? What comprises the church? How is the church formulated? Who leads the church? And what guidance do we have in running God's church? On last week, we talked about the anatomy of the church. Uh, In Corinthians, in Romans, in Ephesians, we are introduced to the concept of oneness, this unity within the church body. There's one body, not multiple bodies. There's one body. And this one body has many faculties or many members. So Paul is using the illustration of our body. You are one entity, one person, uh, one body. But yet you have many members. You have an eye. You have an ear. You have arms. You have legs. One body, but yet multiple members and each one of those members work in uniformity they work in harmony and when your body experiences uh, difficulties or challenges we go to the physician uh, who hopefully is able to diagnose what's going on and why your eye is not functioning to its optimum level or why your hearing is not as um, acute as it needs to be, Uh, why are your hands not performing the way they need to perform. So we go to specialists. And that's on the physical level. On the spiritual level, it's the same thing. The body of Christ is intended to work in harmony. And whenever there is uh, a member not performing the way it needs to perform, we need to go see the chief physician, which is Jesus Christ. God intended for the body, the church body, to work in congruence, congruency, to work in harmony, to work in alignment. God designed for every part of his body to work in uniformity. Not in chaos, not in disagreement, not in partisanship, not in denominational uh, biases. God's body was created to work in uniformity. This is one of the reasons why I identify myself as a Christ follower, as a Christian. Not highlighting the denomination. We created nomination. 
God created one church. And the church are those who've confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and are walking by his precepts. So I have brothers and sisters, again, in Africa. I have brothers and sisters in Australia. I have brother, brothers and sisters on every continent you can name. I have brothers and sisters uh, because they have confessed Christ as the Lord and Savior. And we share this mantra of one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We are all Christians. I am a Christian. And if I participate or attend or join a church, that church has to be a Bible teaching church that uh, promotes sound reasoning. That word who gays in the Greek means healthy. So uh, healthy teaching or healthy doctrine is what uh, the Bible promotes. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be unified as a church body under healthy teaching. So this cuts out the pettiness within the church. This cuts out the bias uh, nature within the church. And the church body is comprised, again, of multiple members. And each member has its place, and there's not one member more important than the other member. Let me give you an uh, illustration. One of the most important uh, part of your body is your feet. But if you injure your big toe as... Uh, uh, as you think about it, you, you probably say to yourself, well, um, I injured my, my big toe and my other four toes would compensate for it and wouldn't be a problem. But if you talk to a foot specialist, they'll tell you that if you injure your big toe, it'll throw off your whole equilibrium, which affects the way you walk, the way you stand, the way you run. It may seem innocuous. It may seem like it's not as a, a much of a big deal, uh, to have your big toe, but it is. In the same way, when one member within the body is not functioning the way that it needs to function, it throws off the equilibrium of the church and what the church is able to do. So we are one, and God designed for us to be one. And we talked about 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, where it says, For just as the body is one, it has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So in essence, Paul is talking about this concept of unity, this concept of oneness. We are one body, one ecclesia, not multiple bodies. We don't have uh, the church of Christ over here. Then the church of Christ over here, meaning that they are different than another version of the church of Christ. No, we are one body. We believe in the one major essentials. And if you uh, missed the previous broadcast on the major essentials, please go back and listen to it. Uh, We need to know the distinctions between major essentials and secondary essentials. In major essentials, it has to be unity. In minor essentials, uh, there has to be charity. Uh, 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 and, and in minor essentials, um, we can not agree on those things, but they have nothing to do with the major essentials. The major essentials are the non-negotiables. So we must know what the, those major essentials are. Those are the things that make us Christians. Those are the things that, that make us family. 
the, the inerrancy of God's word, uh, non-negotiable, the uh, sufficiency of the atonement, non-negotiable, the divinity of Christ, non-negotiable, the existence of God, non-negotiable, the criteria for salvation, non-negotiable. So these are the major essentials, uh, most of them. Uh, if you missed it, go back to the previous episode, uh, srministries.org, and you can listen to them there. So we talked about the anatomy of the church. So for this broadcast, I wanted to transition to the expression of the church, which is charity, love, the expression of the church. Um, We've heard this famous mantra repeated over and over again. Uh, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I've met a lot of people with Bible knowledge uh, over the years. I've talked to a lot of believers uh, with apologetic backgrounds. And unfortunately, a lot of people gain information and they weaponize it, meaning that they uh, have all of this Bible knowledge, but they don't know how to put it into action. They have all of this Bible knowledge, but uh, they're all about arguments. They have all of this Bible knowledge, but few people can get along with them. They have all of this Bible knowledge, but don't know how to apply it. And what Paul tells us in the New Testament is whatever we do has to be rooted in Christian agape love. If whatever you're doing in ministry is not rooted in love, then you're doing it for another reason. And it's not going to last. But if you do whatever you do uh, based on God's love, then you learn uh, how to give him credit. You realize that you're not trying to win an argument, but you want souls to turn their lives over to Jesus. You're not trying to come out as being smarter than the next person, but you're able to express your love rooted in genuine, uh, sincere desire for individuals to turn their life over to Jesus Christ. It's not about writing books. It's not about piling up uh, a resume of workshops. It's not about uh, just digesting a whole bunch of theological information. The question is, once you've heard all the sermons, once you've done all the Bible study, once you've gone through the Bible colleges, once you've gone to seminary, how are you able to um, apply those lessons in real life? Do people know that you genuinely have love for them? It's not about uh, being able to articulate, as an example, the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. Once you've learned about the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ, how's that going to benefit you? How's that going to benefit your household? How does that benefit the church and the community that you're serving? You should learn about doctrine. You should be able to um, satisfy your intellect. But once you've done all that, how are we applying that in practical ways? So we must express our love uh, 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 through the local church body into the community. So this episode, I want to touch on the expression of church love. Philippians 2, 1 through 3. Paul says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, 
complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And again, Paul is already assuming that you love yourself. Paul is already assuming that you care about yourself. Paul is already assuming that you have a standard, a high standard in terms of how you want to live. You, you, you're thirsting for Jesus. So you're adjusting your life to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You're thirsting for righteousness. So that means you are adjusting your life to live righteously. So Paul is already presuming those things. He said, okay, now that you have a high standard for your love, uh, for yourself, I need you to not just think about yourself only. I want you to consider hi- uh, others higher than yourself. And that is a challenging, um, a challenging uh, commandment that we ought to think about others. Not that they're more important than us, but if, as an example, I talked about this under the oneness teaching, meaning the, the, the oneness of the body. If I consider you higher than me and you are considering me higher than you, then we, our needs get met. No one gets shortchanged because we're doing our best to make sure that we take care of one another. This is what Paul is talking about. If everybody within the, the, the uh, local ecclesia, if everybody within the global body of Jesus Christ, if we all do our part and I care for you, you care for me, then everybody's needs get met. And this was the whole concept in the first century of koinonia fellowship. This was the uh, portrait being painted by uh, Dr. Luke in the book of Acts when we see the, uh, the disciples taking care of the needs of the church before they established the role of deacons. This was the uh, issue that was going on within the first century is how do we take care of one another? What is the best way to take care of God's people without neglecting the preaching of the gospel? This was the uh, issue at hand that they had to address. And God blessed them and uh, influenced them to come up with a solution. The the apostles could uh, continue uh, being administrators of God's word. They could continue to proselytize. They could continue to preach the gospel without neglecting the needs of the Christian community and the needs of those outside of the Christian community. So if we wash each other's back, and that's figurative, if we take care of one another, if we think about other people's needs, and those people are thinking about our needs, they're not just thinking about their needs, then everybody's needs gets met. Uh, uh, met. And we are demonstrating charity, meaning that uh, it's love in action. We are demonstrating that we love God, and as a result, we love other people. The problem arises in many local churches when people join the church and refuse to participate in the fellowship. A lot of people join churches just as spectators. They want to watch. They don't want to get involved, but yet they want all of the blessings that comes from being a member. They want all the privileges that comes from being a member of a local church, but they're not willing to participate. They're not willing to participate with us in worship. 
They're not willing to participate within us in ministry. They're not willing to participate with us in giving. They're not willing to participate us in corporate prayers. They're not willing to participate. They're just spectators. And so we as churches, we have to do a better job of discipleship, uh, laying out the expectations of what it means to be part of a church. We're not doing uh, uh, people a great service when we allow them to join the local church and not teach them that it requires sacrifice. It requires for them to participate. And this is what love is all about. Just talking about love is one thing, but actually demonstrating love is what the Bible teaches. So in Romans 12 and 10, as we talk about the expression of the church, Romans 12 and 10, it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Again, this doctrine of I'm going to outdo serving you. That's different than what a lot of churches are teaching in today's society. A lot of churches in today's society are teaching about physical prosperity and physical healing and uh, getting out of the church all that you can get, getting out of God all that you can get out of him, uh, painting this picture of a cosmic bellhopper talking about God, and that's not biblical. Yes, the Bible does teach about healing. Yes, the Bible does teach about uh, prosperity. Yes, the Bible does teach about um, God's blessings, but we got to put it in proper context. It's God that leads us. It's God that blesses us. It's God that heals us. Uh, It's not us. It's top down. It's not down up. It's God's prerogative who he wants to heal physically. Matter of fact, there's a, uh, there's a biblical precedence where God didn't heal everybody uh, uh, physically. Uh, God decides who he wants to heal physically. But here's his promise. God does promises that whoever accepts him, he'll heal them all spiritually. Anyone who accepts Christ will be afforded the privilege of being healed spiritually, meaning that he will save you. And part of being saved is God gives us certain privileges. He gives us access to peace. He gives us access to joy. He gives us access to temperance. He gives us access to power. So there's many privileges that come with knowing God, but yet we have to actualize it. Just talking about God's love is not enough. The church has to actualize it and it starts within the church. We have to learn how to love one another genuinely. We can't be distracted by the pettiness that's created by the sin nature in many churches. Again, it's not about uh, the choir robes within the church. It's not about that. It's not about the color of the curtains. It's not about the color of the carpet. It's not about where you sit in the pews. It's not about the song that you want to sing but are upset because someone didn't allow you to lead that particular song. It's not about that. It's about God's uh, priorities, God's uh, prerogative. God says whatever we do in the church has to be rooted in love, which means we have to have a genuine love for one another not doing it uh, purely out of legalism, not just doing it to check off your uh, obligatory religious standards. It's more than that. 
we have to love on one another in a genuine way. We don't always have to agree on the uh, periphery stuff. On the, on the major stuff that I talked about, the major essentials, we have to agree on those things. But anything outside of the major essentials, uh, as, as we talked about, God, the Bible, Jesus Christ, uh, his divinity, the, the trinity, uh, uh, the criteria for salvation, all those are non-negotiables. But when we talk about loving one another, that's another non-negotiable. We have to love one another in a genuine way. So Romans 12 and 10, Paul reminds us, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We have to learn how to uplift one another, how to encourage one another, how to wish the best for one another, because we all are on the same team. We should all have the same goal. When you look at sports, a good team know how to sacrifice uh, their individuality for the common goal of the team. They sacrifice themselves so they can reach a particular goal. And once uh, you have a team with the same mindset, with the same goal, with the same energy, they have a great chance, a greater chance of accomplishing their goal. Likewise, we must run for mastery. We must lay aside all the weights that so easily beset us, all the weights uh, that comes from the way we were raised, all the weights that come from secular education, all the weights that come from bitter relationships. We have to lay them aside and learn how to love in the right way so we can bless or be a blessing to one another. And this is what this is what makes God happy, knowing how to love yourself and then lo- loving other people makes God happy. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 32. I'm just going to give a a short synopsis uh, of Ephesians 4, 1 through 32. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to you, to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Again, there's this unity, this unity, this, this, this expression of us loving one another, uh, this closeness within God's family. If we're going to find uh, loving relationships, it ought to be through the church. If we're going to find authentic people, it ought to be through the church. If we're going to find uh, what true love is about, it has to be through the church. So our time has come to a close for this episode on the expressions of the church. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the makeup of the church. But uh, we thank you all for joining us, and we pray that something was shared to edify your spirit and to help you to dig more into God's word. Uh, again, we thank you all for your prayers and for your support. For those of you who would like to support Sound Reason Ministries financially, please go on our website, srministries.org, or uh, you can make your donation out to SRM or Sound Reason Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306, El Grove, California, 95758. And we are thankful to all of you uh, who every month uh, sacrifice and donate to keep us on air. We appreciate you. And those of you considering uh, whether or not to participate, uh, we, we thank you as well for your prayers. Again, 
always remember until Jesus come back to do for the truth what so many people unfortunately do for the lies. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.